But just for your own personal sake, you don't have to have a door open all the time, but at least keep a window open. What are those possibilities out in the world that you're completely shut off to at this point? And you may never want to pursue them, but you might. You are more than a lawyer. You are a powerhouse. Welcome to Powerhouse Lawyers. I'm your host, Erin Gurner, a former lawyer, wife, mom, entrepreneur, and coach. And I'm here to show you what's possible. So if you're ready, let's go. Hello, hello. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to Powerhouse Lawyers. I am your host, Erin Gurner, and I have the fabulous Amber Russell with us today, a fellow female attorney powerhouse, and I am so excited to have her on here. We have become new and fast friends, and I'm just delighted to have her on here to share her story. So a little bit about Amber before we get started. She is the founder of Lore, PLLC, to help injured Texans all over the state get justice. Her passion for law started at an early age, and she has worked with victims her entire adult life. While attending the University of Texas School of Law, she worked with groups to serve victims of domestic and sexual violence, as well as individuals alleging that they were wrongfully convicted. After almost two decades, Amber started her career um, for an international defense firm, and then she went sides to represent individual plaintiffs, and since then, she has helped hundreds of clients all over the state who have been seriously injured, including victims of truck and auto crashes. In her community, most importantly, where she is has such a servant heart, she is known for being a fierce advocate, and she serves on the board of se- several nonprofits, including SOAR Texas, which stands for Scholarship Opportunities and Relationships. She and her husband launch and serve on this board, and it offers a scholarship and mentoring program totaling $100,000 in annual scholarships to help open doors for first females. So they select 20 high achievers each year to receive this scholarship, young women, and they're the first in their family to either pursue education or have overcome significant challenges in their life. And this scholarship goes just beyond financial help. They also really impact these women through personal development, mentoring resources to help them throughout their entire educational journey. So it really is a powerful program that's just hitting all sides of the mark. And so I am so thrilled to have Amber on. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much, Erin. I'm pumped to be here. Awesome. Okay. Well, that was a very bird's eye view of where Amber is today, but I know over your fantastic 20-year career, there's lots of stories to tell. So I'd love if you would take us back to the beginning. You said you have wanted, obviously, to be a lawyer your entire life. So tell us a little bit about your journey going to law school and how you've ended up owning one of the few female plaintiff's firms in the state of Texas, which I think is fantastic. Thank you. Well, it's so funny. For the first time, it just clicked with me, something super important to my story that I've never really even put together. So we're here talking about women empowerment, women in the law, um, all these wonderful things, because one of my passions is women helping other women as they go through their journey. And then you asked me a question of, of how did I start this journey? When did I you know, want to go to law school? And I just put two and two together. I was blessed that in high school, I had a female teacher who had been a lawyer. She'd come back to teach at high school. And so she offered an elective class called Law Studies. And so it was actually a female lawyer back when I was 14 who um, offered this class and I got to take it and I just fell in love. I fell in love with the law. I fell in love with the idea that one person could make a difference in the lives of so many people. Um, We studied a lot of Supreme Court cases. She was 
a very hard teacher. Um, so not everybody liked her. I did. I think in the long run, we all look back at that teacher and we appreciate them differently than maybe we did as 14 year olds. Um, but I was very appreciative. She had these really strict standards because she wanted us to experience what it might actually be like. And from that day forward, I knew this is what I was going to do. I wanted to be in the law. I wanted to work with people. I wanted to work on these big, interesting issues. And so graduated early from um, high school at 16, went off to University of Texas undergrad because I had already decided I wanted to go to UT Law. So that was the most logical path there and uh, went to UT Law School, had a fantastic experience. I just reconnected with one of my law school classmates actually last week, another female attorney here in town. And we're just reflecting on um, all of our time since then over the last 20 years and um, very grateful for the education I got, the chances to work with different advocacy groups. Uh, had one really interesting one on the uh, wrongfully convicted you mentioned. I got to travel with a professor out to West Texas and interview all these witnesses in a case where we believed a woman had been put behind bars um, inappropriately and going back to try to find that evidence 15 years later. Uh, but all of that fascinated me because, like I said, I want to help people. I want to make a difference. And it just so happens one of my passions is storytelling. And so I get to use that passion to tell people's stories in order to illustrate things that need to change. And anyway, so have loved um, getting to do that. And we can talk about different aspects or different times in my career, but that's kind of what launched me and really got me hooked. So talk to me about your journey as a young female lawyer, because we're about the same age. And so I know yeah. it, just through our conversations, I know that we had a lot of the same struggles starting out, like lack of mentorship and just the drinking of the fire hose aspect that comes from being a baby lawyer. So I'd love to hear a little bit about your journey as a female in the law as you were getting started out and what are some things that were going on in your life and things that you really could have used and needed at that time. Yeah, well, I will say universally, when you graduate law school and you go to work for a big firm, um, the drinking of the fire hose, male, female, uh, doesn't matter. That is such a challenge. And so you are going from an environment of theory and, um, you know, really thinking about how to think like a lawyer to now you're solving real problems. And so that's just one, you know, initial challenge. I used to say I felt like circus monkeys were running around in my head every day because just it was like my brain was mentally tired. It felt like I'd been doing a physical workout, but in a really good way. Um, but when you're in that kind of a stressful situation, being able to have people that you can reach out to, because it's never just work, right? You have all these other things that are going on. Um, I have friends who had aging parents at the time. I had friends with family illnesses. I was a young, recently married, soon to be mom in that phase of my life. And so everybody is dealing with some similar challenges through different lenses. For me, it was hard. Um, I didn't find as much mentorship on how to navigate those. I got the age old work is work, life is life. You can have a balance, but the two aren't supposed to intersect. That didn't really work for me. I'm not a compartmentalizer. I'm not a, hey, you know, I'm, I'm here at present at work. So therefore, my family doesn't exist. Um, I had at the time two small babies uh, at home and um, wanted to be able to live a life that was fully authentic, both for me and for them. And I did for a long time, just sort of go with that. You know, you have to put your head down and when you're at work, you're doing this. And then I would come home and I would put my babies to bed and then I would go back to work till two in the morning. And I didn't, it, it was a while before someone that I respected in my life sat down and said, yeah, you can't, you can't keep doing that pace. It's not good for you. It's not good for anybody. Um, 
but the billable lifestyle also really contributed to that. And again, in law school, no one sits down and tells you what it is like to bill your life in six minute increments. <laughs> no. Like, can you imagine now? I can't. I can't go back and do six minutes of every day. And I have friends I have like PTSD from that time. Yeah. Like my <laughs> Just, first yeah. job after the billable hour, I had PTSD. Like I was like, wait, I was still like <laughs> billing my time at my in-house job. And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't have to do this anymore. But yes. your mind is trained to be like, oh. How long was that phone call? Like that's 0.5 right there. 0.5. Yes. You know? Yes, and you're, you are. You're trained. That's exactly right. It's a mental model. You're trained to live your life in that, those increments. And some people can do it in a very healthy way. I am a type A all-in person. So that was not going to be healthy for me because then I tried to find every way I could to maximize that 0.6. It was, okay, if I get the... If I get on this flight for my family vacation instead of the earlier flight, now I get two more billing segments was just not a healthy way for me to live. And so um, I also was, and still am, very loyal. And so when I got hired at my first firm, I loved them. So I worked at Baker Botts. It was a great firm. Um, I enjoyed the people. I had some really interesting, challenging work when I first started there on some big major national cases. Um, but that being said, I just decided, okay, this is where I'm working. This is where I'm going to be for the rest of my life. And it was actually a, another female at the firm that set me down about halfway through and said, look, I know your personality. I know you love it here. And I know you love all these people, but just for your own personal sake, you don't have to have a door open all the time, but at least keep a window open. What are those possibilities out in the world that you're completely shut off to at this point? And you may never want to pursue them, but you might. And I'm so glad she said that because it was around that time when after the first maybe four years, I had these amazing cases that I was super passionate about. Uh, we were actually trying to change the way chemical companies were working all across the U.S. Won't go into all the boring details because they're probably only interesting to me. I but, think that stuff is really interesting too. But it was really we, can cool. geek, we can geek out over a glass of wine for that, but yeah. you know. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, but then my my practice changed because when you're working in a big firm for big companies, your practice evolves with what their needs are. And so as that issue got wrapped up and um, resolved, then my practice changed into an area that wasn't as soul-filling to me. And so I was no longer trying to change policy or work on individual um, people's cases. I was working for companies and uh, that's great work. That's good work for a lot of people. For me, I needed something different. And so thankfully having that window open allowed me to be open to the possibility of jumping back into what I had done in law school, which was personal injury. Um, I loved it. I was very fortunate to have a window into the personal injury field that's very different than what most people see. I worked for a boutique firm um, with a couple of partners who were bound and determined to do things the right way. And what I think most people see, unfortunately, is just the public persona of the really loud PI lawyers mm -hmm. who are on commercials and don't exactly um, represent us the way that I think we would much prefer people to know the truth about how most personal injury firms work. But it allowed me that opportunity to go and say, maybe, maybe I want to do something different. And all of a sudden, I was meeting with people one-on-one, um, -on -one, with families. I was being invited to wakes. I mean, was always very sensitive if I worked on a case like that of, hey, I'm here when you need me. I never want to be anywhere you don't. But families wanted you to come in and get to know them so that you could truly tell their story um, and get to talk about the person that they had lost. And it was weighty and heavy. 
Um, but at the end of walking through that with someone, I just felt so fulfilled. And so we have cases with, you know, a widow who, if we win, she's going to be able to provide for her kids for a college education to put them through that, that whole story and dream that they had planned. And if no one takes on her case and we don't, don't end up getting recovery for her, it's a food stamps, right? It's these dramatically different outcomes and, um, very grateful that I get to walk alongside people. So that's, that's the, I think I went way past what you asked me, uh, but that's how I went from young associate in a big firm to then working in the PI space. And then now I open my own firm because I have very specific dreams of ways I want to do things and how I want my team to be able to function. And we can talk about that separately, but um, well, that was going to actually be my next question. I was like, please tell us about going out on your own, because it's interesting once we open a window and we take one step, then the next step naturally reveals <laughs> itself, but it's just stepping outside of our comfort zone, right? Like, I mean, we're sitting in big law and you're, you know, the narrative is I need this job. I need yep. the money. I'm never yep. going to be able to get another job that's good like this. No one's ever going to pay me like this. I'm never going to be like thought of as like the best lawyers. I'm working for an elite firm and like all of this head trash that we tell ourselves that is a complete lie. But when you step out of that for a minute, right, it's hard to get out of the four corners of your office. Like you think lawyers think they have community because they work in an office. Yeah. But that's not community. That's just other lawyers. And that's not bad. I'm not saying those right. relationships are bad. But when you can only see within the four walls of your office, you can't see what's outside that window. Yeah. So talk to me about taking that first step that then ultimately led you into starting your own firm that's all female. Yeah. Yeah. I love that about it too. So um, I love what you said there because it is, as our perspective widens, it is like a self-fulfilling prophecy and it just keeps getting wider and wider and wider to your point. Once you open that window and you look out, oh, there's a hole outside. And then you step outside onto the yard and you're like, oh, in addition to my yard, there's a neighborhood. And then in addition to my neighborhood, there's a city. And it just keeps getting bigger. Um, I think it makes, for me, it makes me a better lawyer. It makes me a better community member because I'm able to see all of that. Um, and don't get me wrong, I have some great friends at Big Law that somehow they managed to do that really, really well. Again, I'm a narrowly focused, I get really intense on something. It's just my personality. So um, very thankful that as I opened that window and I saw this other world and started working in it, um, I saw that there was a different way to do things. And I will very much, um, I reflect on a conversation I just had this week where I, I said, so my husband, I said, you know, if, if you went and talked to 14-year-old Amber or law school Amber, young associate Amber, and you told her that this is where 2023 Amber would be, she'd be like, no. <laughs> <laughs> she would not believe you because, again, I just didn't have that perspective yet. And so as I went out and started working in the personal injury field, um, it gave me a lot of things. One, it gave me that soul nourishment that I knew I needed, right? So I was like, this is where I want to be. Um, but then having to completely switch this practice area and once again, drinking from the fire hose, right? I've established myself at this firm. I'm doing a very particular type of litigation. I've gotten really, really good at it. And now I'm spending a year relearning, drinking from the fire hose, doing everything I can to figure out how to be the best, fastest and learn this area. Um, that built courage. So just as opening the window, your perspective continues to grow, 
I think every time you take those little leaps of faith in yourself and you land, and sometimes you're going to skin your knee, but as long as you get back up and keep walking, you're going to grow and have this new foundation of courage and strength and confidence. So as I went in and mastered this new area of law, took my old litigation skills, learned all the personal injury stuff, and then was able to start having successes, I got to be creative. And so that kind of leans into, again, part of what I love. I love storytelling. I love finding unique ways to do things. I love using technology to do it. Um, We had a case where uh, we had someone who had passed away and he was an older gentleman and we wanted to be able to explain what the loss was because everybody was going to keep hearing his age. And it was like, well, he's older, you know, sorry, but it's not that much lost. Of course, not how we felt at all. And so I actually, um, again, got to be creative and like went out and found a man who does uh, forensic art for the Center for National Missing and Exploited Children so that he could age our client. But of course, as we all know, there's a dramatic difference when you go from being a kid to an adult. The older we get, the less we change as we age. And we were able to actually show what his grandson would look like in order to better illustrate it. So they aged a picture of the two of them to his grandson's graduation. That was a very moving thing and a really cool thing we were able to give the family afterwards. So all that to say is I loved that creative aspect. And then that gave me confidence of, okay, I'm finding new ways to do things. And ultimately, um, COVID then came around. And as we shut down and I had just helped our firm launch technology to be able to get onto our system anywhere I realized there were so many more technology things we could do. With that, it also allows us to work differently with our team. So all that kind of culminates in, I'm like, you know what? I want to do this. I want to keep doing what I'm doing, serving people. And I want to do it in a different way for my team. And so that's when I opened Lore. And we had this model of vision of being able to be more virtual because At that time, I'm living in two different cities. Um, I have family in both cities. I'm raising four kids together with my um, husband. We have a blended family. So two kids in Frisco, two kids in Austin. I'm going back and forth and I'm able to do it. So the question is, if I'm able to do it, how can I offer my team some flexibility? So we're able to bring on the best and brightest talent because we're working with people who you know, it's like, hey, you've got to have a schedule that's more flexible. Okay, you need to work from home so that you can be there at drop off and pick up time. But in between, you're 100% focused. It allowed us to hire the most amazing people because we weren't rigid. We didn't need to be rigid. And I have a very strong belief that if you hire the best people, you don't have to micromanage. You don't have to do, you know, we used to call it butt and chair, right? You got to have your butt in the chair in order for you to really be at work. And um, that was just not my mentality. And I have been rewarded time and time again with getting these amazing women who want to come over um, and work with us because they're like, look, I want to do real, meaningful things. And I know myself, I can do those real, meaningful things in a variety of ways. And so we're able to be flexible and, um, We just finished our call this morning. We do a Tuesday call where the whole team gets on on Zoom so we can still stay interconnected. And then throughout the week, everybody gets their stuff done and we have team breakouts. And anyway, I could go on and on forever, but it it inspired me because I wanted to give people the same freedom to enjoy an interesting, um, challenging and rewarding job while not having to become flat and two dimensional. So there are two things that I want to point out what you just said, which was all amazing. The first being the pivot. 
and the willingness to pivot over and over and over again until you get it right or you start moving in the right direction. I think lawyers get so stuck in the hamster wheel of life. Like, and we think and we convince ourselves, even though our conscious mind knows that we have a choice, that things can be different, our subconscious mind and everything else about what's going on inside is telling us that that is not possible. That if I change everything, all the house of cards is going to fall. I can't do anything different, but I just want to acknowledge the fact that it's these small pivots over time. It's small steps over time that lead to massive change. Amber didn't go out and just say, oh, I'm leaving beggar bots after Mm -hmm. however many years and I'm opening (laughs) up my own female law firm and we're going to, you know, kick ass and take names. And that's what we're doing No, because if you had done that, you would have been, you would have never made it to the finish line because that's way too overwhelming. You don't know how to go there yet, but you had to open the window, take the first step. And that is what I want people to know that it doesn't have to be this huge sweeping thing. You don't have to make a decision right now. It just needs to be the next best step. Yeah, totally. I totally agree with you. That small pivot and being willing to um, know that there's going to be more pivots. So, you know, whether it's the courage you get from knowing you only have to do a little at a time or just reminding yourself that, okay, if I pivot and I still am missing something or I'm still yearning for something, that's okay too. Like keep pivoting, keep working on it, talk to people and be open. And absolutely. Yes. I mean, even like when you and I talked, it was, um, we spent a while on the phone and it's just, it's inspirational and it's your voice is another window, like keep keeping all those voices around you. And you have to know yourself and your true authentic self. Um, but man, it's so helpful when you have people around you to inspire you or encourage you to continue to pivot. Yes. And that's why community, I think you and I, you know, will die on the hill of, you know, community yeah. with women in law, just because we know how vital and important it is and how much it is still lacking because there's still, you know, a narrative that's floating around that's not like we're all in this together. Um, so the second thing I wanted to ask you about, based on what you were talking about with your firm, is talk to me about those changes that you've made within your firm. What are the issues that you see women in law struggling with that you are solving for them through offering them an opportunity to work at a firm like yours? Yeah. Well, okay. So one thing that everybody in our human world experiences is a limited amount of time. And I think, I believe that still women have more pressures on our time, right? It's not universal. I'm not saying that it's true for every single person, but as a general rule, um, I think most women are still taking on a majority of additional tasks, even if they're working. Uh, So time is limited. How can I give people time back? Obviously, we have to get our work done, right? I can't say, well, then just don't do it. That's not going to work. And that was one of the reasons that we found it very important to find a virtual model that worked. And we have continued to pivot and work on it and make it the Tuesday call I just mentioned. That was something we started after the law firm was going, right? Because we realized, okay, we're all in different places. How do we stay connected? We have about 10 people working on various teams Um, And it's not, we don't have a model where one paralegal is assigned to one attorney. It's like you're assigned by cases and that helps us to manage people's volume and caseload. So how do we keep everybody connected? And so, um, so one, to give people more time, we decided we were going to make this as virtual as possible. I have an amazing paralegal. um, I'll use that word a lot because I really am super impressed and love our team so much, but I have an amazing paralegal 
who uh, lives an hour and a half from the office. And she had retired from her career because she was losing three hours a day driving to and from work. And it's like, there's just, you know, there's no reason. So when I called her up, I said, I know you retired, but I really like you and I miss you and come work for us instead and we'll do virtual. And so I gave her back three hours of her life while still allowing her to do um, meaningful, challenging things with a team that she gets to be part of and supported because we do those weekly calls. Once a year, we all get together. Um, about a month ago, we brought a masseuse in and said, it's not required, but if you want to come to the office, come get a massage, you know? Um, so we do things to make sure people have an opportunity to stay connected. Um, we have another uh, paralegal who works remote, but she comes in on Tuesdays. I have her come in after traffic and leave before. Uh, Cause again, that gives her two hours back just that day alone. Um, but giving people their time back was a big challenge for me so that they could successfully continue to do all the things that were important in their life and also be able to meet everything that the firm needed. Um, that's been a really unique and wonderful way that we've done that. I try and I hope to lead by example on authenticity and transparency. So as part of that Tuesday call, for example, we have... Um, something I actually started with my kids. So when my kids were little, they would come home from school and they would have to give me a rose and a thorn because I wanted to encourage them to talk as much about the hard stuff as they did about the good stuff. Because if I just said, how's your day? Great, good, whatever. Um, and if I asked for an example, maybe they'd give me, okay, I got an A on a test. But I don't want to just know about the A. I want to know the, the subject you're struggling in, right? Or, or the kid that's being mean and you need help with. And so we don't call it roses and thorns at work. <laughs> Oh, that would be really fun if you did, because that I do that with be. my kids too. That'd be really fun. <laughs> <laughs> but we thought, okay, we'll up level it a little. So I called it challenges and victories. And so um, from the get-go, I wanted everyone to know that it was just as important to hear about things that are not working well. Because I, I think people can, sometimes it can feel like, oh, I don't want you to think I'm complaining or I'm not blaming anybody. Amber, I'm telling you, I feel like a lot of women have taken like a vow of silence in the law. Like yes. nobody is talking about mm -hmm. what is going wrong. Everyone's like, oh, yeah. I had a great experience. You know, like I had an yeah. amazing woman come on and talk about what's going on with the judicial clerkship process and how there's zero oversight and all this kind mm -hmm. of stuff. And it's just like, go talk to other clerks. What are they going to say? Oh, I had a great experience, even though they didn't. Right? right. So like, there's almost like this unspoken vow of silence that we yep. can't talk about things that are not working, but we yes. have to talk about the things that are not working and we're never going to be able to fix any of this stuff. Exactly. You just nailed it on the head. If we don't talk about it, we don't know about it. We can never fix it. And it's hard to say, okay, I'm going to go tell the founder of my firm that I think her process for this sucks. Maybe don't say it to me that way, but please tell me, right? If this is not working, I need to know. And so that's why we have set aside that time. Um, we balance it out. Everybody gets to tell about their victories. I think everybody should be celebrated when they do something great or we get a big win. It's great to celebrate as a team. It might be that three people on the team were part of that. So the other part of our team doesn't even know about it. So that's great. But it's just as important to know when something's not going right. Today, it was as simple as we have a background app that syncs everything up. And a couple of us, it stopped working recently. Now, we could have each dealt with it individually and been frustrated for hours. I lost about an hour of work on a weekend. It was terrible. I was very upset, but got through it, figured out the solution. And so during challenges and victories, someone said, oh, by the way, I'm having trouble with this app. I was like, great, let's stop. We're going to go share screen. I'm going to show you guys everything I just had to 
took me forever to figure out how to fix it. But now I know I'm going to share that knowledge. And then that's going to save everybody time and headache and lost work. And it could be even, you know, like we said, something with a process. Hey, this process is not working. And I'm not blaming my team member. I'm not blaming anybody else. I just want to say this process isn't working. How can we fix it? Um, so making space for talking about problems and then being very solution oriented when we do talk about them. And I love that you are giving, I think you're giving these lawyers back their autonomy. Like, um, I feel like when you're working for a firm or you're working from somebody else, you're under, you almost, you're under their thumb and their narrative and their rules. And you're writing your own narrative and your own rules. And you're giving these women back the autonomy of their life to be able to build the career that they want. And I mean, here's the deal. This isn't for everybody. Some people do need to work for some, you know, some people do need to work for somebody and don't do well with that level of autonomy and self-management. And that's okay. That is totally okay. But it just, you offering the space to these women to be able to build a life and career that feels good to them is, um, is such an incredible gift. So I would love to know, like if there's our listeners right now, like what are, some tips that you would give them to start maybe looking out that window and, you know, seeing what else is out there? Yeah. Well, I think um, number one is just trying to make sure you surround yourself with other transparent, authentic people. Um, You know, I don't want to suggest that you should go tell everybody at your law firm that you're opening a window and looking around. (laughs) (laughs) May not end that well for you, right? That might be a thorn. Um, But it, you will know, you will seek out and you will know. And if you don't find them in your company, that's okay too. Keep looking. For me, I got involved in a group um, when my kids were really young called Mamas, Mother Attorney Mentoring Association. And it has developed as such an amazing source of referrals where I get to send people business, they send me business. But for the first 10 years I was in it, it, it wasn't a source of referrals at all. I was doing something that nobody could send me business for in that group. But it was a group of women who were also working, raising kids, living in my city, and um, trying to figure out how to do things differently. And so, for example, when I first started um, practicing, it seemed like all networking was you flew to another city where your client was, you took them out to big fancy dinners, everybody drank a lot of alcohol. It was like a big, you know, fancy party type thing. That wasn't for me. I don't drink. I don't really want to stay out late. And I didn't want to travel to be away from my kids. So we found this way to mentor, connect, and network where we would meet for Saturday splash pad playdates with our kids. They didn't care if we were talking about lawyer stuff. They were splashing in water. Um, We would have just for lunch. You know, we would just go meet for lunch because during the middle of the day, we could find a time to connect that didn't take away from family and that would still allow us to do our work. So that was really an inspirational group of women that I'm still connected with now. Um, But find those groups. They, I promise you they're out there. If you haven't found one in your area yet, um, reach out to me because I'll ask a mama. I have 1500 mamas and I guarantee you one of them will know someone in your area. It's an amazing connection. Um, we even joke cause we get on there now. It's like, Hey, my AC went out. I know this isn't a legal question, but some mama's going to know. And we actually have a mama now whose husband has an AC business. So, um, so is it, it find those resources because you can't, if you can't, you don't know what's out there if you don't know, right? Yes. You can't tell yourself possibilities you've never heard of. So invest in these relationships, find ways, think outside the box, find ways to make it work and connect. And don't hesitate to ask people for help. 
I love connecting people. It's like a passion for me. When I go back and I meet two people that I've met separately and then connected them and now they're buddies or they're working together on a project, that's like a joy. So reach out. Yes. That's like my favorite thing. I feel like I've just set people up on like a blind date. I'm like, hooray, they love each other too. Like that's so great. I mean, that's really how I felt about all these, you know, all these women who have come to my retreat and I've connected with just like you. I'm just like, oh my gosh, like these are, these are my people. And it's just a level of resonance, but you have to put yourself out there. And I realize not everyone is an extrovert. So, you know, we're obviously the two of us are extreme extroverts. And so I, (laughs) Clearly. Um, But I mean, obviously, there are people who are more reserved, who are more introverts. And my advice for those people is just you don't even have to go in there and feel like you have to stand up and like tell your story. Just like go meet a person or two, sit and listen. Just listen to what other women have to say if you don't feel like, you know, you're ready to even ask any questions yet. Just absorb like a sponge. There are so many places to go and so many people who want to help and, you know, elevate you up and forward. Um, yep. But you have to be willing to put yourself in the spot where your people are hanging out to be able to yeah. get that kind of connections. And those will build your entire business. Like those, those are the connections. It's not about the stuffy pantyhose conference or whatever. It's about the splash pad people, the people that like, know, and trust you that you've built and developed relationships with over time because you're adding value to their life just as, you know, they are adding value to yours. Well, so. and you never know where the connection is going to go because right. like when you and I connected, it's like, okay, well, let's just chat for a few minutes. And then you were telling me about things and you were telling me about your retreat. And I was like, oh, I've been dreaming about doing more events and I'm, I'm launching these events through women in law. And, oh, I'm kind of, I'm honestly, I'm a little scared. I told my husband the other day, I said, it's like, it's like still being in middle school and I'm inviting people to my birthday party. And what if they don't show up? Right. Oh, so I, I had that fear. And then you were talking to me about your retreats and you were being very authentic with me and sharing about it's scary planning it. And then it turned out so well. And here's the connections we made. And here was the joy I got from it. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to stop moving at five miles an hour. Let's kick this thing up to 65. And like, let's go because I believe in these events. I want to connect with more women. I want to connect more women to each other. Like, let's do this thing. So you never know how you're going to inspire someone or what you're going to get from that conversation. Um, And to your point on introverts, of the 1,500 mamas, there are a lot of introverts. We've actually ended up having seminars on introversion and extroversion just to like help us understand each other. Yeah. (laughs) And there's a lot of them out there. Um, But then they have found each other. And one of my friends in that group who's an introvert, like we bounce off each other really well because she's like, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to absorb and listen while you're chatting and then we'll have quiet time later and we'll both reflect on what we picked up from the event. (laughs) So it works out well. Yeah. That's the good thing. They're like the sponge. I mean, you kind of need the hot air balloon and then like the person to like, you know, weigh down the hot air balloon. That's how friendships I think balance each other out. Absolutely. And both parts so equally important. So, well, I do not want to end this podcast without asking you about your SOAR scholarship, which is your baby and what you love working on. And I just think this is incredible work that you are doing within the community. So I would love if you would tell your audience more about that and all that kind of stuff. Well, so SOAR was definitely a leap, right? It was a pivot and a leap because I had said some point after we opened this law firm, we want to do something big to give back. We want to um, really impact other women. Don't know what it's going to look like yet, uh, but some point we'll get there. And then very quickly, as I started working on the law firm, I realized that 
we really don't, there's one, there's no perfect time ever. There's just not going to be, um, for anything I wanted to do in the firm or anything I want to do outside of the firm. It was like, you just have to make that space and, um, prioritize and commit. And so as I was, um, going through a number of different conversations, I got really focused on education. Women had always been a priority for me. Um, I wanted to create a lot of mentorship for women that I had seen wasn't there. Um, the infrastructure wasn't there when I was coming up. Uh, but then education offers so many opportunities. So our oldest went off to the University of Michigan and she came home and she was like, man, I never realized all the benefits I had growing up. I grew up around parents who talked business. I grew up in, you know, professional settings. I grew up with the best school with, you know, she went to public school, um, but went to a really, really good public school. And so going to a top 25 university, she just assumed this would be a universal experience. So when she came home and she was like, I had no idea. It reminded me how many opportunities some of us have that we don't even know. And I don't want to use the word take for granted because it's, you don't know what you don't know, right? right. Um, but we started to look really hard at it. And I had a lot of conversations with my family, with my husband, with people around me. And we decided that there was a gap in education, not just in funding, but in mentorship. So um, as UT has had these great big new classes come in, a freshman and so many people fail out. What's the problem? Why are people not um, staying in who were at the top of their class so it wasn't just enough to provide funding. We wanted to make sure that we identified people who needed the opportunity. So first in their family or overcome significant odds, like you said, um, if they were the first in their family, they don't have that normal like thing that we had looked at, which is, oh, well, you just come ask your dad. You just come ask me. We'll tell you about office hours. We'll tell you about this and have that. So we said, OK, we're going to do funding and provide some kind of a relationship that will give them this foundation to succeed. And so as the program's been building, it's been about pivoting and finding the best ways to do that. Great example is our first class, I set um, a Zoom call so everybody could join and hear about what the program was gonna be like for the year. And I was very excited about it. Um, as it got close, I started getting all these worried emails. I don't know if I can make it, I have school and I have this job and I, I'm supposed to be in, in this class at the time. And I realized, okay, so here's another challenge. I need to make resources available and not take away from their experience of something else they're having to do. Um, so now I always send that out with big letters. This meeting is optional. Um, I didn't want people to feel pressured. So we have this one kickoff meeting at the beginning. We do our best to try to accommodate everyone's schedule, but we know that if, if you can't make it, you can't make it. We have notes that we send around. And then the other change we made was office hours. So what we were finding is, um, similar to what we talked about in office culture, sometimes people are afraid to come and say what's not going right. People, they want to come tell you about the successes, but it's really hard to come tell you about the challenges. And finding out about that at the end of a semester, there's very little I can do to help you, right? There's very little any of our board members or any of our mentors can do. But if you come early, if we make that space available, then we could help people in that way. And so now we've set up office hours, just like professors have, where our board members will just say, hey, I'm going to have a Zoom. It's going to be open for an hour. Come, don't come, come while eating your lunch. It's very informal. And we're there to talk about, you know, do you want to talk about study habits? What is it that would be helpful to you versus the original thought was, do we need to have a regimented, you know, this, this kind of class here, this kind of class here. And that just turned out that's not what people needed. Um, one of our uh, source scholars, we found out she's in the graduate school and she had never been to a tailgate or a football game. 
And so we're like, okay, well, that's something we can solve. <laughs> you're like, I know what? That's you team? We're like, girl, we need to get you up in there. Goodness gracious. That's a travesty. Yeah. So it's like even like the fun stuff like that. So just so happened we were hosting a tailgate at A&M, which is where she was getting her master's a couple weeks later. So I was like, you have to come. Here's where it's going to be. You know, this attorney's going to be there. She's going to make sure you get to go. But, you know, to get to experience the collegiate life. And she had just been grinding at all of her academics. So I'm glad that, you know, um, she was already having a lot of academic success. And hopefully we were able to add a little bit of that academic fun experience on top of it. But um, SOAR has been the most rewarding thing I've done with the firm. It has allowed us a platform to reach a lot of people and um, getting to just see as we've connected people for internships or um, helped answer questions about studying and how to get ahead in class and um, being able to fill that gap whenever it's there uh, has been really nice. And the coolest thing is seeing the source scholars help each other. Right. And that was the goal, right? Like That's it. Yes. Like I can be here and I'm, I'm like 20 years out. Okay. So I don't have current, uh, we, we were like taking tests on blue. Yeah. We were um, still, there was a blue book involved, like blue, blue books book. were that's still there. Called. Yeah. Yes. So there's all these new things. And so, um, that's why when we started our source scholars, we took all different ranges of classes from freshman to PhD, uh, so that automatically they'd already have people to communicate with either peer level or okay, up and down. And there was the very first sore call, that one um, first kickoff call we had. We had two students at the same university, PhD level and a freshman. And the PhD student immediately was like, oh, have you heard about this cool program? There's only six slots. It's going to pay for your room and board. It's the only work, only these six work programs will do all of these things for you. And took me forever to find out about it. Come talk to me and I'll show you the, the ropes. That's amazing. That, I mean, that's the gold. That is the gold. Like you are just simply facilitating Facilitating. the magic. Like same with my retreat. I am serious. I'm just facilitating the magic for the, for that to happen. And that is so incredible. And I think that's the missing piece is the mentorship part because everybody studies different. Everyone's story is different. We're all unique human beings. Not Mm -hmm. everybody does things the same way. And, but there's, you know, you can go buy a book on how to like, how to study for dumb, you know, like all of these like textbook things. Which was also probably written by someone that had a generational background and going to school was done 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I will say, I think this is true. Um, already. I think this is true about you. You have to be a secure individual. You have to know your own worth and your value to be able to turn over things like that. I don't need the credit for the win. I don't need to be the one that says, okay, I'm going to find you a work study program. I'm going to do this. I have had an amazing amount of success in my life between career, my personal life with my kids. I mean, I'm very, very grateful. I have a wonderful family, cutest dog in the world. I will fight anybody on that one. She is the cutest, but all that to say is I have everything I need internally. And so I don't mind just saying, this let's give you the credit you want to run with this and that's true at the firm that's true at soar um i think the more secure as a person you are the better of a leader that you can be um and so being able to facilitate that retreat and it's not like hey aaron's going to tell everybody what to do and aaron's aaron's going to give everybody this opportunity it's like 
hey, Erin's going to host all of you. She's going to invite some really cool women. Um, and hopefully you guys will be able to help each other. Like, that's awesome. Yeah. And that's really the point, right? That That is the point is for us to all be able to help each other. But we can't do it by ourselves. You know, we've got yeah. to keep creating the space. So that's, I'm so, yeah. that is such an exciting program. How many years old is this? Three years old. How many students have y'all had come through your program? 26, I want to say. That's incredible. So we've been building on it every year. Yeah, it's been really, really fun. We have our fall kickoff meeting coming up in a week, and then we'll have our office hours. Um, It's shocked me when we first started. I thought, okay, we'll do the found, we'll do the funding, we'll get the, we'll get the source scholars, and then somehow I'll figure out how to get mentors in place for the relational side. I started getting applications for mentors before I asked for them, which was awesome because people got excited about the idea. So and it just shows that there's a need and that there's people willing to reach their hand back sideways forward and like pull their sisters in the law yes. along with them. That is what we, that is evidence. We of. want to help people yeah. who have our story. I had several mentors reach out to me with very personal stories. This was what happened in my life. This was a tragedy. I overcame. If you ever ever have a source scholar that has dealt with this, please connect her with me because I can encourage her and I can support her. And so it's not people coming in and just saying, Hey, I'm really good at this thing. Everybody should want to talk to me. It's people going, I have some really hard stuff I've dealt with. I would love to walk with somebody so they don't have to do it alone. Like I did. Yeah. Yeah. And that is, that's the beautiful thing. I think about what you and I are both creating. It's so awesome. Alrighty. Well, I will not keep you much longer, but I would love to know. I have two questions that I are, that I always ask at the end of my podcast. So I'm going, I didn't even tell you about this before we got on here. So we're going to put you on the spot. Okay. What is your superpower? Ooh, empathy. Ooh, I love that. Empathy. It is both a superpower and an Achilles heel. (laughs) (laughs) I feel things really deeply. Um, I can put myself in someone else's shoes. I think that when I harness that well, it helps me to find resolution to problems because I can see it from different perspectives. I say it's an Achilles heel because my family makes fun of me because I cry at every sad movie. I cry at every commercial, right? Because I allow myself to feel that thing. Um, and that's sometimes hard, but I would much rather be able to experience that wide range of emotions with people, um, than to protect myself and not feel it. Yeah. And I've actually, that's something I've been working on through my life too, because I think the law kind of snuffs out our empathy. Like we don't even realize that it's happening before we turn around because you're not, you're not really supposed to show any emotion. Like yeah. There's no crying in baseball, Aaron. Like there's just, you know, there's, <laughs> there's no, no crying, crying in, in like, baseball. Right, there's no crying in baseball. And I will never forget the time I cried in a partner's office and I was mortified. And then I went back in my office and the female office that was two doors down came at like, and she was like, by the way, I wouldn't do that again. I mean, it was just like so demeaning. Yeah. And I was like, I can never show my emotions. So right. to be able to embrace the em- mm-hmm. empathetic part of us is so important. Yeah. Um, okay. So the next question is, and you kind of alluded to this a little bit, so I'm really curious about your answer. What is something that you would tell, um, your young lawyer self? We would have to sit down for a long coffee date. (laughs) Do we need a whole other podcast? (laughs) That'd be a whole podcast. But no, I mean, you know, I, I think that the, the main thing I've gained with age has been confidence in myself. And I just, I don't know how you get that without the time and experience. I always say the best lessons I've ever learned are the ones where I got kicked in the teeth. <laughs> 100%. You know? 
And so um, I think I would just I would just tell myself, you you are absolutely number one, you're absolutely going to have some struggles. I think I just thought, okay, if I just I can avoid all the hard struggles and I can still live the best life ever. No, like if you're not going to try hard things, you're not going to get to do the fun things. You're not going to get to do the difference making things. You're not going to get to have breakthroughs. You have to go through the hard. A couple of my cases I look back on as a younger uh, attorney that were at the time. I mean, I just I probably went home and cried. You know, they were so hard. And at the end, now I can look back and go, oh, yeah, this is how that worked out. It worked out so well. But it was the struggle that taught me so much. And I can use that now in other cases that makes other cases easier. I think I would just tell myself the struggle is where the good stuff is. It 100% is. I think people avoid it and run from it. But that is truly, if you look back, that was actually the message in church yesterday too. So how ironic. How (laughs) ironic. I mean, there you go. That must be the double whammy for this week that we all need to take in. Yeah, if you hear it a third time, then you just better write it it down. (laughs) That is totally it. So Amber, before we hop off of here, where can people find you? How can they work with you? How can they be a part of SOAR if they want to be a part of SOAR? All the things. So loretexas.com, L-O-A-R-T-E-X-A-S.com. Loretexas, that takes you to our website that has links to it with SOAR, has links to, um, shows you some of our prior events. If you're interested in getting involved, we do summer celebration every year which celebrates the last year of the firm, as well as gives us an opportunity to honor and introduce our SOAR scholars. It's their first opportunity for the new class to get to um, mix and mingle with the old classes, plus get to meet a lot of the people in our community. So it's very fun. Last year was the Dallas Cowboys headquarters. Um, We had our party there. It was really amazing. This year is going to be the Oasis. So loretexas.com is really the starting place. Um, LinkedIn is where we post our women in law events that I mentioned earlier. So really, um, these are events that are open to any women lawyers in town. Um, We host them in Dallas, Waco, and Austin, really trying to build communities in all of those places. Uh, So LinkedIn, you can find us at Lore Texas, um, I'm sorry, Lore underscore PLLC on LinkedIn, or you can find me, Amber Russell, um, and both of those will be cross-linked to each other. Awesome. Amber, thank you so much for coming on the show today, for sharing your story, and for also just sharing really just the possibility and knowledge that there is a different and better way. And that if you just crack that window and take a peek out, um, that the four corners of that office start to expand a little bit more. And um, you you don't even know what's around the corner, but it's something really, really great. So I appreciate you so much being on the show. If you guys liked the show, take a screenshot, tag Amber and I on social media, um, ask us any questions, any feedback. We'd love to hear it. But Amber, again, thank you so much for coming on the show. And Powerhouse Lawyers, I will see you next week. Thanks. Bye, Erin. Thank you so much for listening into the Powerhouse Lawyers podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you catch your podcasts. If you loved this episode, I would be so honored if you left a review. And because I know you are the type of woman who wants to see other women win, be sure to share this episode with someone who needs it. By sharing it, you are empowering a fellow sister in the law to know that she is not alone, that there is nothing wrong with her, and that she can build a life and career that she loves. Thank you. See you next week.